person and what they just assume about the choices that you and I make in our life. The choice to study the Bible. The choice to be at church on a Sunday evening. The choice to be at church as often as you are at church um, as a Christian. The choice to simply just live this Christian life. What do they think about that? I'm not saying that I'm spiritually mature by any means, but I'm just saying that to those who are unsaved, you and I, we live a different life. We, we live a life that they just don't seem to understand. And some of the things that I find myself doing in the will of God just seem so nonsensical, seem so unreasonable to the natural man. It just seems strange to them. And I, I, I assume that you are aware of this as well as you interact with people at university and at work and people that just don't understand what it's like to be a child of God. It happens so often. I go to a family friend's home, and there they are, these friends that just seemingly can't wait to ask what I've been up to, what you've been up to, and what I've been doing with my life. Oh, you finished studying in the States? What did you study in the States? Did you get a Bachelor of Commerce, Bachelor of Law, Medicine? What is it? And then Bible college. <laughs> I went to Bible college. I went to study the Bible. I went to learn about ministry. I, and then there you are standing and staring at them as they try and muster up some enthusiasm on the outside that they're certainly not feeling on the inside. Or as they decide to ask the next, next question, what sort of career can that take you into? Uh, that's nice. So what's next? Will you become a priest or what is it? And those are the kinds of questions that I've found myself getting. And let's face it, whatever you're doing, whatever I'm doing, the world just is not impressed by our life choices. They're not excited about what we choose to invest our time in. It just seems so dumb to them. It seems like we, you, me, pastor, us, we've been wholeheartedly given to a cult or something. And it's just something that we're not seeing, but they can see a lot better than we can in their eyes. Perhaps you've considered the same thing about your life. You're radical for Christ in the eyes of the world. And the fact that you've given a few hours to be here right now is not understood. See, this chapter of Exodus, we certainly didn't read the whole thing. We read two verses. But this chapter shows us how we can undeniably relate with Moses. But there is one problem, at least for me, and I don't know if it's the same for you. We've moved past this. We've moved past this story that we've known for so long. This story about the Israelites getting to walk through the Red Sea on dry ground, yeah, it's an amazing story. It's something that we didn't believe as children. In fact, yes, it's a miracle, but we've just, we've known about it all our lives and we've heard about it so many times and it just does not have the same effect on us anymore. But I wonder if just for the next few minutes, just for the course of this message, if you could change your perspective. I wonder if you could put yourself in Moses' sandals tonight. I wonder if you could go through this whole miracle just as if you've never heard, read, or experienced this story before. Can you tune your mind to think like Moses did as he went through? This experience, see, God took Moses to a place that he needed to cross. 
And in the same way, you and I, were taken to places that God wants us to cross as well. And I wonder, why does God bring us to these places? Why does God do with us what he did with Moses? There's so much that you and I, there's so much we can learn from this historical event that has God's hand all over it. And so let's examine it. Let's understand it. Firstly, notice with me that God calls us to places that can make or break our impact for him. God calls us to places that can make or break our impact for him. The children of Israel, they were on their way out of their bondage in Egypt, and they were doing so under the leadership and the instruction of Moses. You know the story of how Moses was chosen to be the instrument of their deliverance out of Egypt, and so they made their way from Succoth. They made their way southeast to a place called Etham, and they set up their camp there, but they were barely there for enough time to even settle in when God decides to speak to Moses again. And give him a new piece of instruction. The word Etham literally means fortress. And the Lord tells Moses to move again. They were safe in Etham. It was a fortress. It was a safe place. They were protected there. They were comfortable there. But God decided that it was time for them to move on before they could settle in their comfort. He didn't want them to be safe. He didn't want them to be comfortable. And so he asks them to travel from Etham, north, to a place that was in between Migdal and the Red Sea, and the sea. God told them that where they were to park themselves across, and Moses followed the Lord. So God placed them in this tough spot. It was a place where they just could not do much about their situation. They were fleeing the Egyptian army, and God brings them to a piece of water. God placed them there so that Pharaoh could see their situation, and so that Pharaoh could realize that the Israelites were entangled in the land with absolutely no way out. And so Pharaoh, seeing that the Israelites had been placed with the bitter lakes on their left and They were marching southward where soon they would put themselves right where the Red Sea would be and a desert region right next to them. And Pharaoh thought that the Israelites were just quite ignorant about where they had placed themselves. He thought that they had lost their sense of geography, their sense that just would tell them that where they were will not help them in their cause. They would soon be unable to proceed They would not know which way to turn. And so Pharaoh, seeing this situation, decided it was time to take advantage of the situation. And so he readied his armies and he followed them. He prepared the chariot that he would travel in. And he also chose 600 other special chariots that would travel with him. And captains that would be in charge of those 600 chariots. And as if that was not enough, he employed the help of every single other chariot that was at his disposal at the time. See, the chariots, they weren't an instrument for a pleasant sightseeing ride around Egypt or around that area at the time. It was a military vehicle that could hold two people, supported on a single axle, with two wheels, a harness for two horses. It was so advanced for their day. 
It was unlike anything anyone had ever seen. At that time, it was a secret weapon of the Egyptian army. It was a great, great advantage for them. So here they were, a strong army, chasing a bunch of people who had nowhere to go. And the people that had nowhere to go, the Israelites, they began to notice something, something big. As Pharaoh and his army drew nearer, the Israelites began to figure out that they were in trouble. They realized what they were seeing, and it was not a sense of comfort to them in any sense of the word. Moses was there. He could see the same thing, and he was the one that was supposed to be leading these people to their deliverance. What was Moses to do? He simply followed God, and God brought them to where they were. They were afraid here. And so they began to complain. They began to criticize Moses. Moses, really? There weren't any graves in Egypt, so you brought us here to die and be buried? Why, Moses? Why have you done this to us? Why did you bring us here? We told you, we told you not to bring us here. We told you to leave us alone. We told you to mind your own business in Egypt and Look where we are now. It would have been better for us to be slaves in Egypt than to die where you brought us to here. Moses, he listened to them and he had no idea what to do but to direct their attention to the Lord. And look at verse 13 with me. It says, fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom he have seen today, you shall see them again no more, forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and he shall hold your peace. Moses tells the, Egypt, uh, the Israelites what he, we just read, and doesn't stop him from going to the Lord and crying out to the Lord and asking the Lord what he was supposed to do. Moses himself was almost complaining to the Lord about the situation. But God asked Moses to stop crying to him, to stop complaining and to just lead the people forward, despite what he could see. On uh, Wednesday, the 29th of November, I was in Sri Lanka, and I was on that trip at the second church that you saw the video about. And um, Andre and I, we backed out of the parking lot at the guest house that we were staying at. We drove past a busy town, past that bus stand that you saw in the video, um, and we made, up, we made our way up a hill, took a few turns, and we ended up at a little house where Pastor Anath, his wife, and their three kids stayed, as well as his mother-in-law. It was also the house that they used as their church building, the kitchen door, the balcony door. They just put a curtain across all of it, made for a good stage for the church, and that's where he would preach, and that's where their ministry took place. But when we pulled up at this house, it's where we saw, it's where we sat down with, it's where we talked to a family that God had taken to a place that does not seem to make sense. This family was a part of Colombo Bible Baptist Church. This family, the husband, Pastor Anath, he had a good job in Colombo that was supporting his family. But just a year ago, he quit that job and he went to the mountains here. And it just would not make sense to the average person, perhaps to some of us here tonight. This family um, hosts several kids in their house from Friday afternoon to Monday morning. Parents who just uh, either can't be bothered with their kids or understand that um, 
this pastor's family has something to invest in their kids have just said, take my kids, take them. And so in this little house, they've got to find place, a place for um, four or five boys to sleep every night, for uh, five or six girls to sleep every night. They've got to have food for those children and invest in those children. And so that's their kind of ministry there in that town. They did just about everything a mother, a father, a grandmother would do for those three days, week in and week out. And one day we were speaking to them in their house in that church building there, and we found out that the pastor's wife's mother, who was there to help them as they began their ministry, she could barely walk. She was stumbling about, finding walls to lean against. But she would do their laundry, and she would cook for them so that they could focus on the ministry. And that's why she was there. That's why she left her comfort zone. And just a background on this lady, um, she has raised her children up. Um, three of them are responsible for three out of the eight church plants around the country, pastoring those, the pastor's wife of one of them. And that's how they've invested into the country, into the gospel there. But that's what she's accomplished for Christ in her lifetime. But here she is again, stepping out into something else. As we were talking to them, we found out that because of all the kids that they had that weekend, she had no place to sleep that night. The rooms were taken, um, everything comfortable was taken, mats on the ground were taken, and so she had to sleep on um, what we would call church chairs for a few nights at her age. And she didn't tell us this, someone else told us this, but we were kind of confronted by this because that's just not the, in the type of lady we viewed her as. Um, someone that would be needing to do that. She didn't deserve that. She deserved more than that. Um, God had taken her at her old age after accomplishing what she's accomplished for the Lord to a place that doesn't really make sense to her or to any of us. And so she could have complained. She could have said, why, Lord, why did you bring me here? I've served you. I've loved you all my life. I followed you here. And I'm put to sleep here on chairs in a church building. At night, it would have been better for me to stay back home. It would have been better to, to be where I was in, in Colombo. I can barely walk, and this is what you do to me. But no, no, that's not what we found her saying. She looked down as someone was telling us this story, and after a while, she looked back up, and those weren't the string of words that came out of her mouth. All she could say was, I surrender all. I surrender all. At her age, and I wonder, what about you? What do you surrender? Do you surrender all? God moved the Israelites from their fortress to a body of water, and Moses' response, it was a response that honored the Lord. It helped his impact for Christ. God moved that old lady out from the comforts of a capital city and moved her up to that mountain from safety to a place of complete surrender. And her response is honoring God. It's being used to impact, to expand their impact for Him in that little corner of the world. But whether you like it or not, God wants to take you to a place like that. God wants to take you to a tough spot. And He'll take you to a place that can make or break your impact for Him. It's a place that's so unreasonable. It's a place so far below you in your eyes. A place so ridiculous. So ridiculous that you find yourself saying things that you never thought you would ever say. 
It's a place so hard that it leads you to perhaps complain and erase everything that God wants to do through you. Will you let it make you? Will you let it help you expand your influence for Christ in this world? Will you surrender to that place? I don't know how to get to that place for you. I don't know what the address of that place is. I don't know what that place looks like. Or what it will mean for you. But where is that place? Are you avoiding it? Are you not following God's instructions and going there? I'm not talking about a tangible place necessarily or a location, but whatever it is, are you following God where He wants you to follow Him? Or have you and I stopped relying on His grace to keep us satisfied there? Stop complaining to where God has brought you. Some of you, you're at that place. And it's time to stop complaining. And while everything around you might look horrible, Everything around you might look bleak, endure it and watch God work. Because secondly, God calls us into the realm of the nonsensical to do the impossible through him. See, Moses was standing there at this point. He was waiting to see what God was going to do about the situation. He was waiting for God to deliver them. And he was waiting to see why God had brought them to this body of water. He was expecting God to show him. But what God shows him was not anything like he was expecting. And perhaps, as you read this story for the first time, not anything like you were expecting. Because God tells him in verse 16 to lift his rod up and to stretch it over a body of water, and he tells him to divide the waters. That was how God was going to make a way where there seemed no way. Humanly, what nonsense. It was, completely, it was a completely nonsensical request. It was a seemingly silly order by God himself, but that's where God called Moses into the realm of the nonsensical. And that's where Moses followed the Lord. And in verse 21, that's exactly what Moses did. He stretched out his hand, and with that, the Lord sent a strong easterly wind to take the sea back, and he made that sea dry land. He divided the waters. Put yourself in Moses' shoes for me. And look at this as if you had no idea this is what God would do for you. The nonsensical, it, it turned into the impossible. Moses led the Israelites into the middle of the sea on dry ground, and they walked through water that was lined up like a wall on either side of That's unfathomable. That's unbelievable. But I wonder if that's where you are. Are you at the place where you see no path laid for you to walk down? Do you feel concerned, entangled in the wilderness, unsure of why you followed the Lord to where he's brought you right now? Are you just stuck in the Christian life? You're not really doing anything for Christ. Nothing's really happening. You're just stuck feeling like you're not fulfilling your purpose for Christ. Just wandering in the wilderness. God's speaking to you. God wants to communicate with you. He wants to show you why he brought you there, to this place of just being stuck. And he wants you to go further. 
He wants you to go forward. There's more to where you are than what you and I understand right now, and you just can't see it yet. And so what is God telling you? Because he's speaking. Is he calling you into this realm of the nonsensical? Has he brought you there because he wants to show you something? He wants to work a miracle in your life and in our lives. Does he want you to quit what you're studying and study his word? Does he want you to quit where you're working and work for him? Does he want you to give up what you've saved for all your life and just give it to him? Does he want you to do something that just makes no sense? I wonder if you and I will make a decision tonight. Whatever it is that God's speaking to you about, whether it's to take two inches or to fly 2,000 kilometers, whatever it is, will you go where God wants you to go? Will you and I just let go of our pride or whatever else is stopping us from doing what God wants us to do? He's ready to show you something impossible. He's ready to use your life and he's ready to fulfill your purpose of bringing others to him. But you and I, we've got to be humble enough to put your rod over a sea while millions of people are watching something completely unreasonable and just wait for God to work. And then God will reward your humble obedience as he parts the waters of your life. Thirdly, God calls us to follow him forward for the purpose of bringing others to him. He calls us to follow him forward for the purpose of bringing others to him. You see, as the Egyptians began to follow the Israelites through that Red Sea, Moses once again followed the Lord's instructions. And he stretched out his hand, as verse 27 tells us, once again over the sea, and the sea returned to its strength. It was no more dry ground, and by the next morning, it was back to how it was. All the Egyptians, they were in the sea. The water covered their chariots and those that were riding them. And the Bible says that not one of them remained. They were all destroyed. Verse 30, look at verse 30 with me. It says this. Thus, the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. But as we reflect on that verse and think about what the Lord did for Moses and the millions of people that he was leading, that's neither the, the end of this unfathomable story nor the point of it. See, God made something very clear before any of this happened. He made something clear in the beginning, and he stated this in verse 4 of the same chapter. Would you look at it with me? Verse 4, Exodus 14, it says, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that he shall follow after them, and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Why was God going to harden Pharaoh's heart? If you read the chapters prior to this, from the time the plagues were being orchestrated in Egypt, so many times the Bible says that God said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. God had called Moses out. God had told him he was ready to deliver the nation. And God told Moses how he was going to do it. But why, why would the Lord harden Pharaoh's heart? Once all the momentum 
was ready. Once again, the Lord says here, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Because for every time the Lord says no, you know this, there is a greater yes. And the Lord shows us what the greater yes is. It wasn't just that he wanted the Israelites to flee to the promised land. There was more to what he did. And the more was that he wanted the Egyptians to see and believe. God calls us to follow him forward for the purpose of bringing others through him. And look at verse 30 with me. Because in verse 30, we see that purpose fulfilled when it says, And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. The people that were complaining and said they would rather die in Egypt and rather be slaves in Egypt, they feared the Lord. They believed the Lord and his servant Moses. And so there was a reason God brought him to that place. To bring others to Him. The people feared the Lord. They believed the Lord. And God's bringing you to a place if He hasn't brought you there already. And He's asking you to do what sometimes just does not make sense or even have a purpose in your mind. It's a place that right now does not make sense to those around you. It's a place that seems like you've been put into a cult and you're just following it wholeheartedly. It's a place that might not make sense to your mom or your dad or your brothers or your sisters or your children or your husband or your wife. But one day, it will make sense. If you and I don't give up or quit before that day, because one day the people will believe, God and you. Our life most definitely has a purpose. Our life, it most definitely has a commission It's a commission included in God's very love letter to us when it says, Go ye therefore. Go ye therefore. Our commission, it has an objective, and its objective is no different to what God wanted from Moses back in Exodus 14. Go to that place that doesn't make sense and teach all nations, which don't really want to believe you. Teach them the gospel. But as they believed Moses and as they believed the Lord, the people that you impact for Christ will one day believe you. But it takes you going. It takes you teaching. And it takes you following God into what, you want, what God wants you to do. So they can be drawn to Him. So go. Go to Asia. Go to Africa. Go to your neighbor's house and sit down and tell them that you're a Christian. And tell them that they need to be Christians too. Make a phone call to that old friend that's always on your mind, but you're too scared to pick up the phone and dial their number and share the gospel with them. What is God telling you to do? What is the place that God wants you to go to? What is the seemingly silly instruction that God is giving you? Whatever it is, do it. God wants to use us. We simply have to trust Him. So will you? Don't look past that question. Will you? Will you go? Will you follow Jesus even if it's perceived as nonsensical? Will you follow God's will for your life even when it makes no sense to those around you? Moses did and God used him in ways that surpassed his wildest dreams. He could barely speak to one person according to his own confession before the Lord used him. The story of the parting of the Red Sea 
It's great. But have you ever thought about what it takes to get there? To get to the Red Sea? It takes abandoning reason and following Christ so that others can come to him through you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help all of us here to do exactly that. Abandon our own reason and follow you into a realm that, Lord, may not make sense to us or those around us, but you know and you will, Lord, fulfill your purpose in our life. And Lord, I pray that you would have spoken to all of us in this room tonight and that we, Lord, will not be hearers but doers as well and that you would be honored through how we respond, not, Lord, in the next two minutes, but with the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.